Good evening. Good to be together tonight. Appreciate those who have led us in our worship so far today. Appreciate JT reading from Mark chapter 6 for us. He mentioned that he was just going to get up and preach. Well, it seems that he just got up and read, so I guess he's going to leave the preaching to me. Been looking forward to tonight for a number of different reasons. Of course, it's an opportunity for us to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ to worship God. But it's also an opportunity for us to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ to eat some ice cream. And so we hope that you'll stay for that. That's going to be a good time together. I remember it last year. I think I'd only been here for about a week whenever we had our ice cream supper. Thankful to be here the following year for our ice cream supper. I can just see it through those doors. Several people told me that I might want to go short tonight. I'm not so sure I'm going to do that. Jacob told me over lunch that I should just go long and just keep preaching and use all kinds of sermon illustrations with ice cream in it, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I don't think I'm going to do that either. Uh, We'll strike it in the middle and we'll continue our study of the Gospel of Mark. If you have your Bible, let's go to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and we're going to be studying from where JT read for us in verses 7 through 13. If you'll turn with me there, Mark chapter 6, and we'll begin with verse number 7. Tonight, our lesson is going to be focused on two words that we find in the very first verse of the text that we're going to be studying tonight. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 7, the Bible says that He, talking about Jesus, called That's the first word that I want us to notice. That's the first word that we're going to focus on. Jesus called the twelve. If you have your Bible open and you like to write in your Bible, underline that word called. We continue reading it. He not only called them, but He also began to sin. That's the second word that we're going to focus on. The second word that that we need to underline. He began to send them out. When we look at the disciples, what are they doing? What's happening to them in Mark chapter 6 and verse 7? First, they are called by Jesus. Second, they are sent by Jesus. They are called and they are sent. Kind of reminds me of a dad who's sitting and watching TV. Soon it's going to be sitting and watching football on an afternoon. And he gets a little bit thirsty. And so he has a toddler playing in the floor and he tells him, I bet you can't go get me a drink by the time I count to ten. Every time that my parents used that on me, it worked. The toddler was called, called over to his dad, sent on a specific task. Nine times out of ten, that toddler is going to break his neck trying to get that glass and bring it back to his dad before his dad counts to ten. He was called and he was sent. And that's what we see with the apostles here in Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. They are called by Jesus, but they're not just called by Jesus. They're not just called into relationship. They're not just called into the presence of Jesus, but they are sent out on a specific task. They are sent out on a specific mission. I think those two words, called and sent, should not only describe Jesus' apostles in Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 13, but they should also describe us. Those two words should describe the kind of lives that we live, the kind of people who we are on a daily basis. So let's look at that in just a little bit more detail. I think the first idea we need to see in this text, focusing in on that first word, is that as Christians, we have been called by Jesus. Like we've said several times in Mark chapter 6 and verse 7, Jesus 
called the twelve. It's not the first time that he's done that in the Gospel of Mark. If you go back to Mark chapter 1 and verse number 20, the Bible says that Jesus called them, talking about James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And in response to Jesus' call, they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. The first time we see this idea of, of Jesus calling people in the Gospel of Mark, it's a call that is worth leaving everything for. It's a call that's worth leaving behind who I was, what my occupation was, and following Jesus into the future. Perhaps this calling from Jesus in Mark 6 and verse 7 echoes what happened a little bit earlier in Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, where the Bible says that Jesus went up on the mountain and He what? He called to himself those whom he desired, and they came to him. He appointed the twelve, in verse 14, so that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach, and that they might have authority to cast out demons. Jesus called them for the very first time as a group, called them together in Mark chapter 3, appointed them as apostles, and then notice this, so that he might send them. And so this idea of being called Paired with the idea of being sent is something that we see earlier in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to focus on that here in Mark chapter 6. So this is not the first time that Jesus calls his apostles to himself. It's not going to be the last time in the Gospel of Mark. You go to Mark chapter 8 and verse 1. Jesus is about to feed the multitude of more than 5,000 with only five loaves and two fish. Notice there was a great crowd that had gathered. They had nothing to eat. So what did Jesus do? He called his disciples to him. Skip down just a few verses to Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. Calling the crowd to him and his disciples, he said to them, he begins teaching them about discipleship. If anyone would come after me, let him deny self, take up his cross, and follow me. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 42, Jesus is addressing a, com a conversation, really an argument that the disciples were having about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says that Jesus called them to him. And he said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. What does Jesus say to his apostles? It's not going to be that way with you. If you want to be great, then you become least. If you want to be the greatest of all, then you become the slave and the servant of all. In Mark the 12th chapter, in verse number 43, Jesus and His disciples are sitting in the temple. They're watching a widow put her offering into the offering box, which was all that she had, but it wasn't a lot. And when Jesus saw it, the Bible says He called His disciples to Him and said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box because she put in all that she had. It wasn't about quantity. It was about quality. It wasn't about the amount of money that got put in, but the heart behind the money that got put in. And so I bring all that up in the Gospel of Mark to say when we look at Mark 6 and verse 7, Jesus is not doing anything new. He's not doing anything out of the ordinary. He's doing something that He has done in the Gospel of Mark. He's doing something that He's going to continue to do throughout the Gospel of Mark. And that is calling His disciples, calling His apostles to Himself. What's the purpose of calling somebody? What's the purpose of calling together a group of people like Jesus is doing in Mark chapter 6? Whenever you call somebody, the majority of the time, that means you have a message you want to communicate. 
You have something that you want to tell them. If you call somebody on the phone, that means you have something to tell them that can't wait until the next time that you see them in person. Picture yourself walking in a crowd and and you see a person that you know a little bit ahead of you. You're going to call out their name before they get too far because you want to talk to them. You have something that you want to say to them. We call people when we have a message that we want to share and that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus wants to communicate with His apostles. He has a message to share with His apostles. He has something that He wants to tell them and as a result, He calls them to Himself. In a very similar way, as followers of Jesus today, we have been called by Jesus. Isn't it amazing to think that Jesus has something that He wants to say to us? Even though we've sinned, even though we fail, even though we're broken and we make mistakes, Jesus has a message for us. He has something that He wants us to know. He has a message that He wants to communicate with us. Well, why? Why would Jesus call out to us? Why would Jesus want to communicate with you and me? What is that message that He wants to share as He calls out? When we look through the New Testament, the Bible talks about God calling out to us for a number of different reasons. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 9, God has called us into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 15, God has called us not to chaos, but to peace. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, in verse number 13, God has called us to freedom. He's called us to liberty, freedom from our sins. He's called us to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14. He's called us to a holy calling. In 2 Timothy 1 and verse 9, He's called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. What a transformation in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. He's called us not to repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. In other words, He hasn't called us to seek out revenge on people, but on the contrary, to bless. 1 Peter 3 and verse 9. He's called us to His eternal glory in Christ. 1 Peter 5 and verse 10. He's called us to His own glory and excellence in 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. Do you get the idea? Can you see the message that Jesus is wanting to communicate to us? God calls out to us because He wants us to know that He loves us. God calls out to us because He wants us to know that we can be saved. We can have an abundant life. We can have and form and develop relationships with Him. God calls out to us because He wants us to know that we can spend an eternity with Him whenever this life is over. He's called us to His own glory and excellence. What a beautiful thought. It's a calling that demands a response. But then the question, how? How is it that God calls out to us today? Is it something miraculous? Is it something supernatural? Is God whispering in your ear? Did He call you on the phone? Did He shoot you a text message? Did He cause you to feel this warm, fuzzy feeling? Well, no, go back. This is a verse we referenced just a moment ago. But when you go to 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 14, Paul says, to this He called you how? Through our gospel. How does God call us? He calls us through the Gospel. Every single time that the good news message of Jesus is preached, that is God calling you to be His person. 
every time that the gospel is proclaimed, every time that the good news of Jesus is taught, that is God calling you and that is God calling me to be the people who He wants us to be and to live the lives that He wants us to live. What a blessing it is to be called by Jesus. Jesus has a message that He wants to communicate with us. A message that's communicated through the Gospel. We can be saved. We can be forgiven. We can be heaven bound. And to be honest with you, that's where a lot of Christians stop. To be honest with you, that's where a lot of followers of Jesus end the conversation. It's beautiful to be called by Jesus. It's an amazing thought that Jesus wants me and He wants you to know that we can be saved. But whenever we continue reading in this text, we have not only been called by Jesus, we have not just been called by Him into relationship and eternal life. We have been called by Jesus in order to be sent by Jesus. Again, go to Mark chapter 6 and verse 7. The Bible says that He called the twelve. He calls them to Himself, but that's not where He stops. He began to send them out. The disciples are not just called into blessing and relationship. They are called into a mission. They are called to fulfill a certain task. You remember what the word apostle literally means? The word apostle literally means to be sent. To be sent on a specific task or to be sent for a specific purpose. Here the apostles are being apostled. The sent ones are being sent out by Jesus on a specific task. And we ask the question, how? How is Jesus sending out the apostles? And when we look at that question, I think we find a few different ideas. First, we find in Mark chapter 6 and verse 7 that Jesus sends them out in groups. Think about what He could have done. Jesus could have sent them out individually. He could have sent them out one by one. Twelve apostles going in twelve different directions. And they could have covered a lot of ground that way. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus sent them out in pairs. He sent them out in groups. He sent them out two by two. And we see the wisdom in that, don't we? As they go out to preach, that provides companionship. It provides partnership. They're able to support. They're able to encourage one another. And then you add on top of that, going back to Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 15, the Bible says that on the basis of two or three witnesses is a testimony established. If you just had one person going out and proclaiming this new message about Jesus, it wouldn't have made much of a difference. But when you have two people, that makes the message more trustworthy, the message more reliable. More people are going to respond to that message. Jesus sends them out with authority. When you look at verse number 7, the Bible says that Jesus sent them out two by two and He gave them authority over the clean spirits. So far, the book of Mark has been all about the authority of Jesus. The authority that Jesus has to teach in ways that nobody has ever taught. Remember, Mark tells us that Jesus spoke on His own authority, not like the other scribes and religious leaders. It's been about Jesus' authority to cast out demons, to heal people of diseases, but now as He sends out the apostles on what we oftentimes call the limited commission for the very first time, He shares His authority with them. They received the authority to cast out demons. They received the authority to heal 
people of disease. They receive authority from Jesus to push back against the darkness and dominion of Satan and against the brokenness of the world that's expressed through illness. And when you drop down to verse number 13, you see the success that they had. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Jesus sent them out in verses 8 through 10 with dependence on God. As Jesus begins to speak to them about this journey, this mission that they're going to go out on, he tells them in verse number 8 the only thing that they can take with them is a staff. A staff would have been used for traveling, but not only for traveling and walking in stability, but also fighting off any kind of people or animals that would have chosen to attack. He says the only thing you can take with you is a staff. Don't take bread, which is a generic term for food. Don't take bag, a bag, which probably would have been for food. If you're not going to take food, then you don't need a bag for food. He says, don't take any money in your belts. Wear one pair of sandals, and that's the sandals you have on your feet. And wear one tunic, and that's the one tunic that you're going to wear around your shoulders. When they enter into these different towns and villages to preach, where are they going to spend the night? Look at verse 10. He says, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart. They're going to enter into people's houses and spend the night in people's homes. People who they, who they don't even know as they go into these villages. Why is Jesus doing that? Why is Jesus setting those rules? You can only take a staff. You can't take food. You can't take money. One pair of sandals, one tunic, and stay in people's houses. Why? The way I've heard preachers explain that in the past is that Jesus is teaching his followers to depend on the hospitality of others. I don't think that's wrong. I just don't think that it goes far enough. Jesus is not just teaching them to rely on the hospitality of others. He's teaching them to rely on the hospitality of God. He's not only teaching them to depend on others. He's teaching them to depend on God who is going to supply for them through others, through the people who they're going to be teaching and preaching to. And so as he sends them out, he sends them out with this great authority to do amazing things, but he also sends them out reliant and dependent upon their Father. Verse 11, Jesus sends them out with a willingness to move forward. He says, when you enter into a village and they don't receive you, when you enter into a town and they're not willing to listen to what you're telling them, what do you do? Oh, well, stay there. And keep preaching. And keep pushing the message until you at least get ten responses. Get ten responses and then you can finally move on from the city. Is that what Jesus says? No, in verse 11, He says, whenever you enter into a city and they don't receive you, they're not going to listen to what you have to say. Move on. Move forward. Leave. Don't stay there with people who are not going to receive the message. Move on to find people who are going to receive the message. He uses a phrase that we oftentimes quote a lot. He says, shake the dust off of your feet. When Jews would travel to foreign nations back in this time, they thought that even the dirt in those foreign nations was unclean. And so when they came back into their own nation, what would they do? They would shake the dust off their feet. They don't want to bring that unclean foreign dust into their homeland, into their country, into their homes. Jesus uses that to say, if you enter into a village and the people are not receptive, move on. 
Shake the dust off your feet and it's going to be a testimony against them. If you preach to them and they don't respond to the message, you've done your job. Jesus tells His apostles, you shake the dust off your feet. You keep moving forward. Move on from those who are unreceptive to those who will be receptive. Move on from those who aren't going to listen to those who will listen. And then finally in verse number 12, Jesus sends them out with the message, doesn't He? In verse number 12, Jesus told them that they were to go out and they were to proclaim this message that people must repent. What does it mean to repent? Repentance is an inward change that results in an outward change. Here's a couple things that repentance is not. Repentance is not feeling really sorry for my sin and feeling really guilty, mourning over my sin like we talked about this morning, and then continuing on and doing the same things. That's not repentance. Repentance is also not an outward change where I'm just controlling my same behavior, but I have the same lust and desires, evil desires going on inside of me. That's not repentance either. Repentance is a change from the inside out. We change the way we think about the world. We change the way we think about sin. We change the way that we think about Jesus. And by default, that's going to change the way that we live and the decisions that we make. He says that's the message that you're to preach. That's the message that you're to share as you go into these cities. People must repent. They must change the way that they think so that they will change the way that they live. It's an echo of what Jesus preached when He began His public ministry that people are to repent and to place their faith in the Gospel. Place their faith in the good news. Just like the apostles, we've been called by Jesus. And what a blessing it is to receive that call. To know that Jesus wants us. To know that Jesus wants a relationship with us. To know that Jesus wants us to spend an eternity with Him. But we can't stop there. Yes, we've been called by Jesus. Yes, that is a sweet and a beautiful and an amazing thing. But we have to realize what that call leads to. It leads to mission. We are called by Jesus to be sent out by Jesus. We are called by Jesus to go out and make a difference in the world around us. When you exit the building tonight, you're going out into a mission field. You're going to interact with people who don't know the Gospel. You're going to interact with people who are lost on a daily basis. We've been called by Jesus to blessing and relationship to go out and make a difference in the world. Make a difference in those people's lives. But then we ask how, Jesus. Give me a little bit more detail on, on how you want me to go out. And I think what Jesus said to His apostles applies to us in a number of different ways. First, Jesus sends us in groups. Aren't you thankful that you don't have to evangelize this community by yourself? Aren't you thankful that this mission isn't solely on your shoulders? We have a congregation of God's people here at Seven Oaks. We have the family of God assembled together in this congregation. We are a group that as we go out and accomplish this mission and help others come to know Jesus, we can provide companionship. We can supplement and complement one another. We can encourage and support one another. We can live in fellowship with one another, sharing lives with one another. This mission is not something that we accomplish alone. It is something that we accomplish together. Jesus sends us out with authority. Now, don't 
hear me saying tonight that you're going to go out this week and cast demons out of people or you're going to go out and heal people's diseases. I believe that those miraculous capabilities through people's hands were restricted to the time of the first century. That's a study for another time. But what I am saying is this. Jesus sends us out with authority. He sends us out through the preaching of the gospel, through the authority that He's preserved in the pages of this, of this book. We have the opportunity to push back against the dominion and reign of Satan. We have the opportunity to push back against the darkness of this world, not adding to it, pushing back against it. We have the opportunity to help bring healing to a world that is so broken in so many ways. Jesus sends us out in groups. Jesus sends us out with authority. He sends us out with dependence on God. I love how Jesus talks about this topic in Matthew chapter 6, towards the end of that chapter, in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, don't worry about anything that you need in life. Don't worry about clothing. Don't worry about shelter. Don't worry about food. When what? We'll skip down to verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What is Jesus saying? He's saying you don't have to worry about what you need in life when you seek God first. When His kingdom is your number one priority. When His righteousness, proclaiming, sharing that righteousness is your number one priority. We don't have to worry about necessities in life when we choose to depend on God. God will supply those things for us if we seek Him first. But it causes us to trust in Him, to be dependent on Him, to rely upon Him. Number four, Jesus sends us with a willingness to move forward. Now I'm going to confess something to you. This is the hardest thing for me in this text. A willingness to move forward. Because when I'm studying with someone, when I'm attempting to share the Gospel with someone, and they're resistant to that message, I want to keep pushing. I mean, if really, if people understood how great Jesus was, don't you think they would accept Him? And that's the mentality that I have. If they understood how sweet it was to be a Christian and how great it was to live life in the kingdom, they'd have no reason to say no. They would come asking, please, share this message with me because I want to know, I want to experience how great Jesus is. That's my mentality. And so I want to keep pushing. I want to keep sharing. I want to keep reaching out. Jesus speaks to me here in Matthew 6 and verse 11 that eventually there comes a point where you have to shake the dust off your sandals. It's a hard thing. It's a challenging thing. But sometimes it's an essential thing. Not that you're going to completely shut yourself off from people. Not that you're going to block their number in your phone, or you're never going to have another conversation about them with the gospel. But we can't spend so much time on those who are unreceptive when there are so many out there who are receptive. We can't spend so much time on those who refuse to listen whenever there are so many out there, so many in this community who are willing to listen. And so sometimes when we're sent out, we need to be sent out with the willingness to move forward. It's a challenging thing to do, but an essential thing to do. And then Jesus in verse 12 sends us out with the message. The very same message that the apostles preached as they went from town to town in the limited commission is the same message that we should preach. People must. It's not optional. People must repent. Now sometimes people aren't going to like that message. 
Sometimes people aren't going to like hearing that they need to change the way they think. They need to change their priorities. They need to change the way that they're living. Naturally, as people, we are resistant to a message like that. Yet that is the very message that we are to preach as followers of Jesus. People must repent. They must change the way that they think so that they will change the way that they live. Two words that sum up who we are as followers of Jesus. Two words that tell us what we should be all about on a daily basis. We are called and we are sent. We are called by Jesus into His grace, into His love, into His mercy so that we can go out and share that with those who are around us on a daily basis. Are you a Christian tonight? If you're not, would you recognize the fact that Jesus is calling out to you? Jesus has a message that He wants you to hear. Jesus wants you to know that He loves you. He wants you to know that He desires you more than anything else. Jesus wants you to know that you can have an abundant life. You can have eternal life. Jesus wants you to know that He wants a relationship with you. A relationship that's not just going to begin and remain stagnant, but a relationship that's going to grow. A relationship that's going to become dynamic. Would you respond to that call of the Gospel tonight? Make the decision to become a Christian, or, or maybe it's something you need to talk more about. We'd love to study with you. We'd love to look at that with you. Maybe you have accepted that call from Jesus. I'd say the majority of us in here tonight are that way. We've accepted this call from Jesus. We've been called into His glory. Are you living your life on mission? Are you making a difference in the world around you? Is that something that you're intentional about? Being one who is not just called, but being one who is sent. If that's not something that you're serious about, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to encourage you if you have that need. Or maybe you're here as a Christian and you need to hear that message that Jesus instructs His apostles to preach. People should repent. Maybe you have a sin in your life that you're holding on to. Maybe you need to change the way that you think tonight. We'd love to help you as we extend the invitation. Together we stand and sing the song that's been selected. Humbling your heart to God, safe from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom, trumpets will sound. All of the dead shall rise, righteous need in the sky, going where no one died, heavenward bound. Troubles will soon be o'er, happy forevermore, when we meet on that shore, free from all care. Rising up in the sky, telling this world goodbye, homeward we then.